Hi, my name's Tina Waldrum. Welcome to the podcast and I hope you love it and share it with others. This podcast is all about evangelism and mission, sharing Jesus in natural ways, in ways that we can all do. I interview people right across Australia and also overseas to hear what's working and how that ultimately applies to our lives, no matter who we are. Some weeks I jump on and do a little teaching myself. I hope it's helpful for you. Don't forget to check out our other free resources on our website. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism Podcast. My name's Tina Waldron from Evangelism in Australia. I am talking today with Pastor Seth Brooks, who is actually in Portland in the United States, but a great Aussie. And we are talking about the topic of globalizing the gospel. So welcome to you, Seth. Great to have you along. Hello, Tina. It's good to be here. I'm excited to be talking to someone with an Australian accent. I value every opportunity I get. It's so fantastic. We've known each other for 30 plus years. In fact, you were in Perth when I first met you, but you have this incredible heart. I mean, it it really oozes out of your life. Like not many people that I know that really this passion for the gospel being global or, you know, as believers in our local context, we're passionate about people knowing about Christ, but you have this just incredible, in fact, passion for the gospel to be global. I want to know how that was formed in you because it's very unique. So tell us your story. Where'd you get that from? Yeah, two pivotal moments. The first one would be my mum took me to India as a child. Uh, She was traveling and she took me with her and I suddenly sort of had the awareness that there was more to the world than just Perth, Australia, uh, or Mandra, even more specifically, Australia, which is where I grew up, uh, which is a lovely fishing town south of Perth. And then uh, that was a big moment for me because suddenly I became aware of this whole nother uh, sort of reality, the the reality of a global, uh, a planet that has people that are different to you and and a whole nother thing. And so that would be number one. And then number two, uh, would be I grew up in these churches that not only had a heart for their local community, but they had a heart to help others and bring others on their journey of breakthrough. So if their church was experiencing wonderful things, if their church was being very blessed, they had a heart to bring other people on their journey of breakthrough and faith. And so as such, we were exposed to people who lived in other countries and uh, that were really seeking to extend the gospel and to preach the gospel in faraway places or churches that were in other places that didn't have necessarily the same advantages we did, that uh, we could see their journey of faith. And so those were very formative for me, seeing that churches that had both local and global influence. Yeah, and that is incredible for you to say, firstly, that your mother actually took you on a trip because I think sometimes as believers, Seth, we have these experiences if we grow up in Christian families and you don't realize how much God is actually doing in that. You know, you think it's a random trip that you take your own kids on or that your parents take you on or a pastor takes you on, but in fact God is starting to seed something of his purposes for your life. Do you see that looking back quite a bit now? 
yeah, I'm a big believer that God is leading us through each sort of thing that happens, that his hand is at work in our lives um, and that he's setting us up for our future, that things that start as seeds become really considerable expressions of faith later on. And I guess throughout my particular story, I've seen evidence of that right throughout that God honors faith. And many times people have taken faith steps with me. They've invested into me in a certain way that had faith investment written all over it. And as such, God has honored that as it finds outworking later on in my life. Yeah. So how did you end up? I want to know, how does this guy that I know <laughs> who was in youth ministry go from Perth and you've still got your Australian accent, praise the Lord, and you end up in Portland. How do you end up there and you're at the C3 pastor there? So how does that even happen? Yeah, I was happily pastoring as a youth and young adult pastor in Perth, Australia. I had the corner office in a beautiful church, a magnificent church. I was happily married. I had a, a, just a newborn child. I had it in my own home. We lived five minutes from the beach. Things were good. And uh, But one thing about my story is I had never actually met my father. And my father at 27 years of age finally looks me up. And as such, he lives in the United States. And uh, my story up to that point is God had been a wonderful father to me. Uh, however, uh, at that point, God opened a whole other doorway of opportunity, and He uh, and the Lord encouraged me to press into a relationship with my father. Uh, and as part of that, my father later, about three or four years later, took me on a trip to Africa, where he had been ministering for many years. My father was a minister, and uh, yeah, out of that, uh, a, a seed was sown in my heart, a seed that later grew to be something even even larger. So that ended me up sort of heading to America when uh, my father called me three or four years later to tell me he had terminal cancer. And as such, uh, God spoke to me and said, Seth, press into your relationship with your father before he passes away. So we moved from Perth, Australia to San Diego, California, and then God did the rest. We ended up launching several years later a church into the urban sort of uh, neighborhood-centric thinking of Portland, Oregon. Uh, it's a place that's very gritty. It's a place that's very inner city, urban, uh, very multi-ethnic, a um, uh, lot of houselessness all around. And we launched a church into that space in 2007 and have not looked back ever since. That's amazing. And what you actually don't know, that's incredible that I did not know that about your father. That's a whole other story. I'd love to talk about that for hours. Yeah. <laughs> Seth, I actually became a Christian in San Diego, so it's a good place. San Diego, California is where we landed in our journey into America. We were there for two years. And uh, what a what a place to become a Christian. It's, a, it's quite a town. It is. So the story goes, so you go from San Diego to Portland, you're now pastoring this church and you're arriving there with this information, I guess, deeply embedded into your life to globalize the gospel. So there is now becomes a greater connection to Africa from my understanding. So what happened? You arrive at the church and what are you thinking in your mind? Are you, are you thinking Africa at this point? How are you thinking to globalize the gospel? I was actually aware of the stark contrast of a global church compared to the very neighborhood-centric thinking of the space that I'd arrived into. I would say that Northeast Portland, it's gritty, 
it's turf-centric, it's everyone uh, is thinking just really the local neighbourhoods. I spoke to people that had never travelled out of Portland. Uh, It's a space that you wouldn't think is ground zero for launching a church that has a local and a global expression. But I felt that God would uh, receive all the more glory if that was actually what God ended up doing there. My passion became that a 13-year-old from the Cully neighborhood, which is the name of the the neighborhood I'm in, uh, imagine if a 13-year-old came into a church that connected them not only to God's heart locally, but also God's heart globally. So initially we got busy locally because uh, that's sort of how uh, our church went about building credibility in its community. Uh, We had a food pantry uh, that we uh, were a part of there, and we fed 300,000 people across the COVID season. Uh, Our church just got busy, and the lines got longer and longer, particularly as people were out of work through that season. And uh, that really gave us in our community a wonderful platform for being able to minister into people's homes, into the highways and the byways, of our town. And from there, uh, more and more people came to be a part of our church. But I always knew there was another gear. I always knew that the churches I'd seen that had magnificent heart to bring people on their journey of breakthrough, uh, that would be one day and part of our expression. I knew that even though I was local there in Portland, that there were people praying big prayers somewhere else on the world that God was going to connect us to. And right through this time, I had this one friendship in Africa, right through this time from when my father had taken me to Africa many years prior, I'd kept one connection and we just stayed connected and kept blessing one another through phone call after phone call and just uh, just praying for one another all the way through the, the journey of our launching our church. But I knew even at that moment in our church's formation that there was another gear that we would enact. Yeah, I'm so excited just hearing it because, I, you know, even the thread of your whole story of seeing those seeds, you know, placed within your own life from, you know, what we've already talked about with your mom and then with your dad and the seed of Africa. So what happens? Because I know that now you're having a fantastic opportunity to be able to bless into the nation of Africa and see people that are fired up but then being sent themselves. So really when we talk about globalising the gospel, it's helping other people globalise as well and be a part of taking the gospel to the nation. So what happens? Yeah, Tina, there came this moment where I was, uh, I thought the church, you know, it's ready. Uh, I felt the Lord start to speak to my heart that it's time to activate in our church that next gear. I felt the Lord had put up a burden on my heart to do it. And so this long-term friendship with uh, Apostle Emmanuel Salomba in Zambia, uh, he uh, in, in Kapiri Maposhi, Zambia, which is regional Zambia, uh, God started to speak to me that I should find some way of being able to assist and help what was going on in the ministry that was happening there. And so my goal was simply to find one person. I don't believe you can ever be more with many than you can with one. So I just wanted to find one person and be try and be a spectacular blessing to try and, and enact in the same way we had locally by saying we're all in in serving our community locally. I said, let's find one person that we can be all in with on, somewhere in the globe. And I knew it was going to have marvelous impact because I know the dollar goes further overseas. America has a very unique, as does Australia, sort of place globally in that, you know, just by mere fact that we're speaking, people listen and incline their ear. God has put something on us to speak in such a way. And so as such, I knew that uh, there was going to be 
great impact through our sewing in such a way, through our getting involved in such a way. So this is what we did. We literally uh, got involved and said, look, how can we bless your church? We started a micro enterprise loan program. And I would say we had some success, but there came a point where we really received invitation to go to Africa and, 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 and be a part of what God was doing there through a conference. And uh, after that invitation, we started thinking, look, what can we do to be a blessing? And we found out that Kipirimaposhi is a town that has is 57,000 people. And the case in Zambia is that 82% of the population are under the age of 35. So in much of Africa, the population is very young. So imagine 82% of the population are under 35. And not only that, in Kapirimaposhi, there's a, a whole bunch of unemployment to the extent that it's 80%, 70 to 80% unemployed. So you've got all these young people looking for something to do, looking to be successful, but not necessarily having a, a place to outwork it. You know, you talk about seeds, Tina. When I went with my father, uh, a group of businessmen had approached me and they wanted to talk to me about their business. And I, I noticed that they came to me, but I didn't really have anything as a 35-year-old to say you know, to them at that time. I didn't really have anything that I could contribute. I wasn't interested in getting involved in a business in Africa. And I remember they walked away with disappointment. And I remember as I drove away, seeing them at the corner of my eye and they were disappointed. Uh, and I remember sort of that really was a seed that that something that, that grabbed me. I, and I said, if I ever go back to Africa, I'm going to have something for business. <laughs> I'm going to have something for business people. And sure enough, when we went to run this conference, I said, let's run a business stream. And little did I know that just what that was going to touch upon. And as I started to sow into one place, Tina, as I started to sow into this one town, it was on the basis of relationships. So there was already a high degree of trust built. And I think this is the key thing for building relationships overseas is take your time to build trust first. The first season is just building trust. I'm not trying to do anything. I just want to build trust. And then out of that foundation, there came a moment when God said, it's time. And so with that, we got busy and uh, yeah, we decided that we were going to do a business stream as part of this conference we were going to speak at. Little did I know I was stepping into a context where, again, 70 to 80% unemployment it was so impactful because the need was so great. Incredible. Absolutely amazing. And I think that is the key, isn't it? You've got to have relationship and you've got to go in with this approach of we want to be all in. We're there to serve and help because sometimes it's been said of Western missionaries, so to speak, which is a little of what you're doing, even though you're not staying there, but we kind of go in and impose our entire culture and it's a very ugly feeling rather than coming in and serving in a place and carrying that heart to help people. Little did I know that God was doing something so spectacular in the place he was taking me to. God started to show me and started to unfold his plan as I stepped forward in obedience to him, as I sort of just stepped forward and said, sure. He said, Seth, there's hot spots all over Africa. Kapirimaposhi, the one you're going to, is just one, but there's many all over Africa. And what I'm going to do is I'm taking the sons and daughters of those spaces in the decades ahead, and I'm going to scatter them through the nations, through the surrounding nations. I'm going to scatter them into the 1040 window, uh, even as far as India and all those areas surrounding. And he said, Seth, what I want you to do is go and serve their breakthrough. When I go to Kapirimaposhi, I observe the church there. It's on fire. When I go to that church there, I notice that the church there, it's like a locomotive of prayer. And God says, yeah, I'm going to use that. 
Uh, it's been something he's been cultivating for decades. He says, I'm going to use that now. Go serve their breakthrough. Go serve them in the area of technology because they have a limitation in technology. Everyone's on 3G phones still. Go and serve their breakthrough in the area of technology. Go serve them in the area of finance. The entire income of the church was $200 a month. You can imagine that if the uh, a pastor's wage there is $250 to $300 a month, none of the pastors are being paid. The limitation of that space is so strong because of finance. Go and serve them through build, uh, teaching them how to build business. And then our uh, third one was go and serve them in the area of influence. Wherever I take you, Seth, take your friends in Africa with you. And then the last one was training. There's a training deficit there. So go and serve their breakthrough. Go and serve what I'm doing in Africa because I'm doing something amazing in Africa. So it's like God opened my eyes, Tina. I was just there to serve my friend. But when you get busy serving your friends, sometimes God will roll back the curtain and say, check out this, check out what I'm doing. I'm going to literally send these businesses that you're building and they're going to be like vehicles that, 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 that even though people won't say, yeah, sure, come to my nation and start a church. Man, they're hungry for business expansion. They're hungry. And so these, these, these businesses will be like uh, chariots that sort of head on out. You know, that they're like, like vehicles that will gain access even when others can't. So God said, so into this space, watch what I do in the decades ahead. And I was like, wow, uh, yes. And so that gave us such a, a buzz when we felt God starting to speak to us in this way. And we just got busy serving then. And sure enough, the rooms that when we, when we invited people to come and learn business, to help a person that had no business skill but had a desire to teach them how to end up with a product, or people with a product, then how to start a business, or a person with a business, how to grow their business, and a person with a growing business, how to break free of the local market. When we're hitting each one of these ceilings, um, we just found that the rooms were packed out. And not older people, we're talking young people, we're talking 20, 25-year-olds. That was the predominant age demographic that were just hungry to grow and learn in the area of building businesses. And so it was an amazing thing that we've just come back from. And, you know, the cool thing about this, we talk about sowing seeds, Tina. My mom took me to India many years ago, but I had the privilege of taking my daughter to Kapiri Maposhi and, uh, at the age of 10. And her journey to get there was a faith journey, and she got there uh, by raising the funds herself. And uh, God did a mighty work of sowing that seed, even for the next generation. Yeah, it, it it brings tears to my eyes. I think of my own kids and, you know, the things that you get to do and God is sowing incredible seeds in their lives. So what I want to know is, all right, so let's just lean into this business bit. So you're over there, you're helping with businesses. This is just one area, but you aren't a business person per se. So what do you teach over there? Are you taking people from your church to help? Yeah, now that's a great question. It's a bit of both. I took people from my church, but I'm also trying to build a highway for business people um, to be able to get the knowledge and the training to people in a unique space. So the trip that I was setting up was very unique. I was trying to set up a place that a business person would go, that's something I can do. So the length of it was limited to a week. I had nice accommodation. I had nice transport. So the person who was a business person, uh, I was creating a pathway that honored their effort, honored their time all the way to the point of delivery of that message. And as such, we were able to get some amazing business talent to people that really had been involved in all sectors of business, right up to Fortune 500 companies, to be the people that were teaching people in regional Zambia how to break through in the area of business. So much 
of training is not just knowledge and learning, it's also impartation. And these people had a divine empowerment for success in business and they went there and trained and it was amazing to to be a part of. Okay, that is so powerful because what I feel like you're saying to me and something that I could apply is in my Western context, I have a lot of contacts and resource that I could expose or bring to another nation, which it sounds like that's what you're doing. You are bringing the resource that God has given you and you are helping remove the limitations in Africa by bringing that resource in. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. And by the way, God used a church that would be in what we would call a poorer demographic neighborhood. God's using a church where we had just a passion, God, that you would grow our resource because you've put a declaration over our lives, we shall be a blessing. You promised it to Abraham. It was realized in Jesus and we're of Jesus. So there's something over my life that says, we shall be a blessing. And so this is sort of the preaching in our church. This is what we've been teaching our people. And so our people have had a greater, greater desire. God, would you pour through me out of everything that I have? Yeah, it's financial. We're sowing finance. But we know that we're also bringing resource in terms of relationships, relationships um, that, that can bless others. So, yeah, it's all of that. And God's using people that have a high degree of faith in this, not necessarily a high degree of money, but a high degree of faith. And out of that, then God is sowing incredible amounts through them into these spaces. Incredible. Now, qualify that for me, a high degree of faith, because lots of different people listening to this episode are going to hear that differently. What do you mean when you say people that have a high degree of faith? I think that when you have struggled in life in certain areas, yet you continually are able to push through and overcome in them, it does something in your heart. It builds a capacity. It builds a determination. In our neighborhoods, they're traditionally people that have been the result, have had systemic injustice that's really kept them in a place of lack or kept them in a place of it hasn't been an even playing field. And these are people that through all that have had a resilience, uh, a re- what I'd call a resilient faith. They're people that say, even though that's happening, we are still going to be used of the Lord to step onto a global platform to impact the lives of others. The nickname for Portland is actually Rip City, and uh, Rip City is a, is a term we use, and it speaks of the resiliency. Uh, it's actually used in terms of our NBA team, the Trailblazers, uh, the, the Portland Trailblazers. It's their slogan, and there's something in the DNA of Portland that's bold to step up even onto a global platform and, 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 and present. And as such, I feel like what God was doing in the lives of our people as they were having little win after little win, God says, oh, that's awesome, but I'm going to put it on a big platform so that other people that need a win, they also need to have that overcoming sense of, oh, yes, I can overcome, that I'm going to use them on a global in a global sense by putting them somewhere where it'll fit, where their story will join to a story somewhere else. And so we had the beautiful moment where people were having private breakthrough here in Portland. Their story was impacting someone somewhere else in the world. Yeah, it it really is inspiring just to hear. Since you've been working in Africa, Seth, or since you've really, you know, gone into that next gear as you described it, describe a little bit of the influence of that on the local church. You know, how are people receiving that and how is that 
um, you know, celebrated on the weekends, I guess. What, how's that kind of changed the atmosphere or whatever of the church? Yeah, we've received far more back than what we've given. I'll be really honest with you, what God is doing in Kapiri Maposhi and those places in Africa, the church feels like a locomotive. It's so strong, so vibrant, so bursting with love, so full of joy. Um, these places are places where God is doing something amazing. And you know what? As we have sort of opened our hearts to, to them, they've opened their hearts to us. And uh, I would say that when I have taken a team over there, our team has been transformed by the love they've encountered while there. I would say that the continual prayers of the church there in Africa is seeing us having breakthrough here in our, our home church, that the very things that we're praying and sowing into the lives of others, we're seeing uh, a breakthrough in our own lives locally. And so I would say the impact upon our church has been profound rather than being the place where we see ourselves as the destination for everything that God blesses us with, the mentality of our church has started to change even more. Not only are we blessing people locally, but we are seeking to uh, become not the destination of blessing, but rather the conduit of blessing even for people globally. And this is building a bigger heart in our church, a bigger heart in our people. It's amazing how your worries sort of fall away because you're too busy blessing other people. And it's kind of had that sort of impact with our people here. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Well, this has been an incredible interview. I feel inspired and challenged, and I hope you listening to this today uh, feel the same. So I've been talking with Seth Brooks from Portland in the United States as a C3 church pastor there and sharing his story from Perth, Australia, and how he ended up over there. It's an amazing story and the seedbeds, everything of how this came about to globalise the gospel. So Seth, I'm going to drop all the links into our show notes so that people can stay connected with you, connected to the church and to learn from you. So thank you so much for giving your time to us today. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I trust it's been helpful for you. Hey, don't forget to check out our free sample course on missionwithgod.com forward slash free sample. Hope it's a blessing to you. See you next week.